All right. All those who are kindergarten through fifth grade, if you guys make your way up here for your class, and those who are three, four, and five-year-olds, you can make your way to the back for your lesson or for your teacher to lead you to your class. All right. I will, I will say this again. I say it often. I love having the kids in here during our worship time. I love them uh, being able to participate in our lifting our voices up to the God who has done so much for us, who has created us and has revealed his love so abundantly. I want the kids, maybe, may, I don't know. I always said I want, I want them to see us singing but I think I love their enthusiasm when they're th- singing and maybe their examples to us. Is that right? Don't you think? I, I love to see their, their love for, for songs and I want them to know the messages that we've been singing. I want them to know the songs that we've been singing about. I mean, uh, this is my story. What, what's my story? It's about Jesus. Uh, to, to, to sing the songs that we've been singing, praise to God, and have our kids learning from that and, and participating in that is invaluable. I, so I regret the years that they were downstairs the whole time. Can I say that? I regret that, uh, those, those kids who missed out on that. Uh, but I, I love the fact that they're here with you. I hope you do too. We're going to begin a new series today. And the title of that series is called Hearts of Stone. Uh, this is, for the next few weeks, we're going to walk through the book of Malachi. Uh, if you've been with us, you know we just went through Zephaniah. I want, to, I want to make sure that it's not like throwing a dart at the Bible or a list of the Bible books and hitting one. and that, oh, That's the one I'm going to preach. It's not. We, we get to see the, the same God who, who works with us today. Uh, and, and the things he's doing, maybe it'll open and reveal what we need to be doing in, in life and appreciating and, and loving. We look back into history and see how God was dealing specifically with his people. And Zephaniah, remember, it was that message, destruction's coming. Matter of fact, the, the title for that sermon series was Day of the Lord. And we learned some things about what does it mean, the day of the Lord is a specific day, or well, it's every time God acts. And, and God was acting out on the, on the nation of Judah, and, and uh, what, what the message was in Zephaniah is destruction is coming. Because of their disobedience, because of their idolatry, turning to other gods, that, that God said there's destruction coming, trouble's coming, you can't avoid it, it's going to happen. And, and we know that probably after, after God had delivered his message through Zephaniah, uh, w- within 10 years, uh, Babylon came, destroyed Jerusalem, took out Judah, and, and anyone who remained, who was not killed through all that, uh, was taken into captivity. Now, if, if I could give you an idea, Zephaniah is, is like the fourth from the last book. If we open up and you look at your, your order of books of the Bible, Zephaniah uh, is, is like the fourth book. The next three is Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. Those three books are after the exile. Those three minor prophets are after the exile. So Zephaniah, 
then, then destruction comes to, to uh, Jerusalem. And remember, even in Zephaniah, if you've been with us, we know that, that in chapter 4, and, and matter of fact, also chapter 3, there was this idea of a remnant, those who are going to return. And, and as it was laid out, 70 years, they were in, in Babylon. Uh, many were given permission to return to Jerusalem. The remnant has returned. Uh, again, Haggai and Zechariah and, and Malachi are prophets that are speaking on God's behalf either during that exile as they're returning or, or even after that exile uh, where Malachi is, is actually speaking after the wall has been built around Jerusalem and the temple has been rebuilt. So Malachi is seen maybe as that last message of God before that period of silence before Jesus comes in the, into the New Testament. This is that last message. So with Easter coming upon us, we connected it uh, something like this. So we have before the exile, destruction, and now what's his message to the people afterwards? And in reading Malachi, I'll, I'll just tell you, this week spent a lot of time in Malachi. It, it, it sounds like a father dealing with a difficult teenager. Uh, please, no disrespect, teenagers, okay? I, speaking to parents, and once being a teenager, I remember some rebellion. I remember my disrespect. Regret, yeah, but I remember some of those things. And, and in, in this book of Malachi, uh, they, they seem to be ungrateful. There seems to be some stubbornness and obstinate. You know, they're they just oh, not going to take any kind of discipline or things like that. But the one thing I did not see, and I don't think it could be identified in the books of Haggai or Zechariah either, is idolatry. Uh, but before, you know, in Zephaniah and on, you know, going backwards, the message of God is stop your idolatry. Stop it. Stop it. Or there's going to, or these things are going to happen to you. And it happened. Afterwards, no message of idolatry. None in Malachi, for sure. But matter of fact, here's, here's some of the phrases that are laid out to see if this sounds like a, teenage, a teenager being spoken to by their father. Uh, throughout Malachi, they're accused of showing uh, contempt to God or disrespect to God, uh, of wearing God out with their words, of robbing God, and of speaking arrogantly against God. That's, that's the people of Israel who have returned. That, those are some of the things that are actually said. And in each case, there's a response. When did we do that? When, 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 were we, uh, uh, when did we show you contempt? Or when did we rob you? Or when did we wear you out? And each time, that's where we're going. That's, that's some of the context. I really want to begin this morning uh, looking at, at maybe the first question that's actually raised by God himself. And God identifies through Malachi that I have loved you. I have loved you. He announces to the people, guess what their response was? How? How, how, how did you love us? How, how is it? That was the question. Have you ever been there? I, I'm talking about your relationship with God. Have you ever said, all I hear about is God's love, where is it? Have you been there? I think, I think there's great reason for our love just coming from the scriptures. But when it comes to day-to-day -day life, have you ever been to that place of saying, God, when are you going to listen to me? I'm laying out all kinds of prayers, and you're not answering. How do you love me? 
I mean, we go through sickness, we go through financial crisis, lose jobs. Uh, man, the things we've gone through, you know, the, the, the pandemic and, 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 you know, the war. I mean, and, and just that, that's enough. But then think of our, about our personal lives and the struggle in relationships. Difficulties maybe raising our children or, or maybe it's with family members. So where, there are difficulties that we face. And so as part of that, uh, God change this, redirect this, help me. And we say, oh, God's not answered. I guess he didn't love me. Well, let's, let's look at Malachi because here, here's what God says at the beginning. I, I, I just need to read the first five verses as a beginning. We're not going to uh, tear this apart, but I do want to enter into the whole chapter. But I think it's very important to, to see what God says at the beginning. Uh, beginning verse 1, he says, A prophecy, the word of the Lord, to Israel through Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord. But, but you ask, uh, how have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated. And I have turned this hill country into a wasteland and left his inheritance to the desert jackals. Edom may say, though we have been crushed, we will rebuild the ruins. But this is what the Lord Almighty says. They may build, but I will demolish. They will be called the wicked land, a people always under the wrath of God, wrath of the Lord. You will see it with your eyes and say, great is the Lord, even beyond the borders of Israel. So really it begins simply. God makes it known. He says, he says clearly, I have loved you. Israel, I have loved you. They say, well, how have you done that? I, I want to simply say, through all that was said afterwards, and to make it, it, it as simple as possible, basically he says, well, I've chosen you. I've chosen you. Uh, you're the people of Jacob. Jacob, I've loved. Look, and continue to preserve you. I've loved you as Jacob. Now, his brother Esau, that wasn't along the line of the promise that I gave to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. And, and so Esau was not a person of the promise. Matter of fact, uh, his response was, I've hated. And anyone outside of what he's chosen could be seen as a hated nation. And, and even Zephaniah said, hey, listen, Edom. You know, those people of, of Esau, the, those Edomites. Zephaniah said, but that place is going to be desolate. It's going to be a desert. It's going to be a wasteland. And, and guess what? Upon their return, that's exactly what Edom uh, was. It was desert. It was, it was a wasteland. And even if they come to rebuild there, guess what? I'm going to wipe them out. I'm not going to allow them to build. So, so what is God saying? He said, man, I preserved you. You, you continue to exist while, while others have been wiped out. Man, my favor is upon you. And, and that's how he said. He didn't go through all the details. as well, let's see, I, I chose you from Abraham. I, I brought you out of Egypt. I, I made you into a great nation. I, even in my discipline, I revealed my love for you. He didn't go through all those details. He said, if you just stop and look, you would see, man, look what God has done for us. We've been returned. We've been restored to, to our homeland. 
And, and once again, have the opportunity to build a kingdom. Matter of fact, along with that, there's all kinds of promises that this kingdom is going to be great. And maybe that was part of their frustration as well. Well, when's that going to happen? When's that going to happen? Some of their expectations were, were not fulfilled. All right, I want to introduce you to the rest of chapter 1. God makes it obvious, okay, I have loved you. And then he says, I've loved you because you're here. You continue to exist. You are a nation. I'm going to rebuild you. And all the promises even lay ahead. And then he says in verse 6, I'm actually going to read 6 through 10. I just encourage you, if you have your Bible, open it. Or if you have your app, uh, and hold it and hold that open. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't have it written up here. There's just so much to go through. So listen, just listen carefully what he says. This is dealing with that. That child, that disrespectful child, the one who has contempt. He says, a, a son honors his father and a slave his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? This is God speaking. If I am a master, where is the respect due me? Says the Lord Almighty. It is you priests who have shown contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? Verse 7 says, by offering defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have, you how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. Now plead with God to be gracious to us. With such offerings from your hands, will he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. Oh, that one of you would just shut the doors to the temple. So that, that you would not light useless fires on my altar I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offering from your hands. I, I just encourage you to go ahead, maybe later on, read all of that chapter because it still has that content. But this is about as much as I want to bite off uh, for, for the remaining time we have this morning. This contempt. The first accusation against him, man, you have contempt for God. This people who, who earlier he says, hey, I have loved you. You have contempt for me. This, this idea of contempt, uh, I, I think it's an easy statement, but one we need to, to, to review and think about in, in terms of what it says here in this, in, in this uh, chapter of Malachi. I, I don't, I don't want to be a person who's in contempt of God. I don't want to be a person who is disrespecting God. And I believe that this morning, we must not treat God with contempt. And, and, so the question is, am I? How am I living? A am I being contemptuous, before, uh, holding contempt against God? Here here's what it looks like. Uh, the first point is this. Contempt is seen in a disregard for God's identity. It's disregarding God for who he is. God actually asks Israel, uh, who has loved him, them, he says, where is the honor due me? Where's, where's the honor I should be receiving from you as, as my people? Where is that honor? And, and he uses examples. Matter of fact, uh, they're, they're, he uses examples that are where there, there's natural respect that should be given. 
a, a natural expected order of respect. When it comes to a father or a son for his father, there should be, not always, but there should be respect that the son has for his father. And, and for the slave, for the one who owns him, the master, there should be a, a, a respect that the slave has for his master. In military terms, the soldier to someone who, is, who outranks them, there is that natural expectation to give respect, right? I mean, no matter who they are, that rank deserves respect. You soldiers, you tell me if I'm wrong on that one later on, okay? I, I know how they go. Sometimes behind their back, it's, there's no respect by the way they lead. But when they're in their presence, man, there is a respect that is expected to be given to them. God's saying, where is my honor? Well, who is God? Let, let's talk about God's identity. God is creator. Who are we? Hey, we're the created. God deserves our respect. And, and and along with that, God also sustains. He's, our, he's the one who sustains. The, the fact that we're here this morning is because God has chosen to give us another day. Anybody want to say amen to that? Absolutely. We got another day. It is because God has chosen to give us another day. All in this mess. Are you kidding me? Do we need another day? I, I could see God pulling the plug anytime now because of the sinfulness and wickedness in this world, Right? But God has chosen to give us another day. It's incredible. He deserves our respect because that's who God is. Matter of fact, all that really encompasses what he says in verse 14. He, he says, for I am a great king in verse 14, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. Man, hey, God is God no matter what you do. No matter what the world does, God is still God. His greatness is inherent. He's powerful, he is almighty, and he deserves, he deserves all humanity's respect. Doesn't get it from everybody. But, but amongst us here this morning, I would encourage you, we need to be giving God that respect, that honor, because he is God. He's creator, sustainer, and he is sovereign. He is that great and mighty king. We must honor God because he is God. And that can be forgotten. That could be forgotten. I mean, you, go, you could go to, be going to church and still forget and, and neglect the fact that who, uh, God and who he is. Here, here's, here's one way that I would recommend that each of you uh, might, might encourage you to remember that in every day. You know, it, it comes in that prayer. You find that time to pray and, and make, uh, make a point of one thing, one, one sentence that Jesus had in his prayer that he taught us to pray. I, man, for years, I've, I've made this part of my prayer, and, and I think it's been essential in reminding me who God is every day. Uh, it, it's where I, I begin to recognize who he is, but I always manage to put in, may your kingdom come, may your will be done. Those words, those words. I, I, I want to declare before you, God, this is who you are. May your kingdom come, may your will be done. Uh, and, and first of all, identifying who he is. And then just declare that truth. And then and in order for you to live that truth, declare that truth so that you live that truth. He is God. There's a second part of the contemptuous or, or contempt that they're showing before God. And it's in, it's in their worship. The second point is this. Contempt towards God 
is found in our empty acts of worship. Empty acts of worship. Now, what did that look like for Israel? For Israel, beginning in verse 7 and 8, he, he actually directs this towards the priest. He points it towards the priest. They say, man, this is from you. You are acting in contempt before God. And, and the way that you're serving at the table and the altar, uh, the, the, the fact that you're accepting unacceptable gifts uh, of, of offerings before the Lord, what are they? Well, they're, they're blind, they're, they're lame, they're diseased, the animals being brought for the sacrifice, but you know what we would call the gifts or the sacrifices, they're supposed to be brought before God. This is what's being presented. And, and so uh, the, the fact is, what were they supposed to present? Even, even in the Old Testament, you know, a lamb or an, whatever they're offering is supposed to be unblemished, not sick. They, they were not supposed to be lame or blind. Matter of fact, we, we think about it, the, the, the farmer goes, and, and, and also consider the circumstances what Israel's facing. They are rebuilding. So each one is trying to build up their herds, you know, their, their flocks of sheep. And, and so they go there, and, and you know, they're, they're starting to see the progress in building their flocks. But how easy is it in the morning? I'm looking in the morning. I'm saying, okay, what am I going to take to sacrifice? sacrifice? Well, I got that sickly one over there. Let, let's take the sickly one, and, and it's probably going to die anyway. Let's go ahead and sacrifice that one or the one that's blind or they're going to be hindered. It's not going to be a good portion of my flock. This is not the way to build a flock. I tell you, not, uh, 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 not a good way to build a flock is to go before the flock and say, man, where's the best one? A lamb that was just born, and it is perfect. It is perfect. No blemish, no sickness. And then you go, that's the one that God deserves. Because I think the overall message here is, what's the expectation of God? Hey, bring me the best. Bring, the, bring me the best. In verse 8, he said, you know, he, he said, oh, you try taking the sickly one, the, blame, the blind one or the lame one, to the governor. Which is interesting because, of course, Israel is now under, under the authority of the nation of Persia. And there's a governor there. And so he says, well, you take that, that sickly one. You take it to the, the governor and see if he accepts it. And, and no, of course you're not going to do that. It's not going to be accepted. Then why do you dare to take this, this, this broken, this sickly gift uh, to God. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? God deserves our best. He definitely deserves our best. The, the message for us today, of course, is, is always that message. I've heard that all my life, you know, and, and it's, it's come out and, boy, this is the way you ought to dress and things like that. But let's, let's, let's bring it down to where we're living right now. Let's, let's think about this. Where we are right here, I mean, what, what is our best you know, and we could, we could talk about how we do have offerings. You know, what, what does your giving look like? Or how do you approach this table? Matter of fact, when we think about this table, here's, here's one truth uh, that's different from, from Malachi. Hey, we don't depend on any priests. We, we don't have to depend on, upon any priests. Now, the priests were the, the spiritual leadership there. And, and they were offering what was being brought. So it really was the nation. And, and unfortunately, the leadership was just accepting, oh, whatever you're giving is okay. Whatever you're giving is okay. 
But the truth is, leadership needs to step up and say, you all need to step up. Don't bring me your garbage. God deserves your best. Don't you? Isn't that right? God deserves you to serve him well. Matter of fact, again, we think about, okay, well, think about this, that Jesus is that priest. Jesus is also that sacrifice, which is perfect. We don't have to worry about that anymore. We don't have to worry about that. I do think about what Paul said in Romans chapter 12, though. What did he say there? Something about a sacrifice? Offer yourselves as a, sacri- as a living sacrifice before God, holy and pleasing before him. Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice before God. That's our life. Jesus has already made that ultimate sacrifice where we have forgiven. So what's our life now is, is to give ourselves to him. You know, not just bits and pieces, and not just the flawed and the sickly and the lame. Get the best to God. That, and that's not just Sunday morning, please. I mentioned offering in the communion. It's, yeah, man, that's part of it. it. ought to be there. But I'm talking about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all the way through Saturday, giving him your best because you are. I mean, that's how you live as a living sacrifice before God. And let me tell you, when it comes to sacrifice, giving sacrificially reveals your dependence on God. It, it really does reveal your dependence upon God. When that farmer goes and he looks, he says, well, you know, I could spare this one, this one, this one. Give that to God. But if, if I want to get ahead, I need, I need that, that precious one. The, the one that probably I would expect if I'm going to give him my best, that one would go. I'm going to hold on to that. That's kind of how we live our lives a lot of times. We just, we, we want to hold on to, to what's best because, oh, we got future plans. God says amidst your future plans, give them your best. Absolutely. Think about who God is and, and how we're giving to him, even, even today. Yeah. Listen, another, and this is the final point I want to make this morning. Again, there's contempt that's shown in verse 9. And the point is this, contempt is expecting to receive his favor amidst giving our disrespect or being disrespectful for God. Right in the midst, I'm being disrespectful in my life, and yet I keep on asking God for stuff. That's, that's the kind of thing. Look, look uh, and matter of fact, in verse 9, that's, that's God being sarcastic. Do you see that? In verse 9, he says, Now plead with God to be gracious to us. With such offerings from your hands will he accept you. So here, here's, here's the picture. Hey, God be gracious to us. In the meantime, how are we acting in our life? This is what we're offering to him. I'm just giving half my heart. I'm not, I'm not giving my all. This is how I'm living. Now, I'm, I'm not just talking about, hey, what we're praying for, the things that we are expecting. In the midst of this, in the midst of this, Israel ought to have had an appreciating heart. At this point, they should have been thrilled about where they were from where they had been. They then achieved all that God promised. I mean, that, that part was still trusting God. But part of that is saying, hey, listen, I'm going to plead for you for your, for your graciousness. Part of that is saying, thank you, God, for what you've given. And listen, it is totally different for you and I than it was for the Israelites. Why? When we say, hey, God, how have you loved us? 
What's the one word that we need to hear? Oh, you guys know it. It's Jesus. What, what gift? What else do we need? What else do we need? His graciousness has been revealed to us. And that's our lives today. So we come and we say, God, we praise you for the grace that you've given us. It does give us opportunity. And even in scripture, does he want us to bring our needs before him? Absolutely. But I believe when we're going through difficulties and struggles, in the midst of that, it's with an appreciating heart. God, thank you so much. Right now, I'm, I'm dealing with some difficulties. Lord, I'm going to lay it before you. Help me through this. Help me through the, the bad relationship. Help me, Lord, through my finances. Help me, Lord, through the sickness. And, and, but at the same, I believe it's with a gracious and, and loving heart before God because he's been gracious and loving to us. It's not in any kind of resentment. There's, there's a big difference in, in coming before God uh, and, and, and being thankful for what he is to, to someone who comes before God and they're resentful. Where has your love been? Why aren't you answering my prayers? And, and Lord, why is the world such a mess? And, and all the blame goes to God. God wants gracious and loving hearts. I think that's where Israel's having trouble. They're, they're not seeing, they're not perceiving, they're not understanding who God is. They're not understanding who God is. And, and matter of fact, they're showing it, revealing it in their lives by what they're offering to him. And even the fact that they would ask anything from God in the midst of all that poor giving. Oh, it's a pretty pitiful group. <laughs> Isn't it? Who are we? Where are you right now? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Perfect. We're in church. We're together. And that's exactly right. Oh, man. And that, that shows, in part, that shows, man, we have this love and honor and a pursuit of God. Where's our hearts? Where's our hearts during the week when we're not here? Are, are they in an appreciation for, for the God who's given us so much? That, that verse 10 basically, uh, and I just want to move towards con conclusion, but in verse 10 it says, just shut the doors. Don't light the fires. Why? Because ultimately anything that you're offering before God with such a heart that, that, that is really disrespectful is just not going to be glorifying God at all. Hey, listen, we have every reason Every reason. God has given us every reason to love him, to honor him, oh, and to pursue him. To, to be praying every day, God, listen, hey, your kingdom come, may your will be done. Oh, and, and, and Lord, along with it, I'm just going to throw out these, these uh, uh, requests before you. Here's some things I'm dealing with. Help me through it. And if you don't, Lord, may your kingdom come. May your will be done. No matter what. No matter what. Isn't that where we are? Isn't that who we are? A people with a heart that loves the God who has revealed his love to us. We, we are a people who loves God, who respects God because all that he's done and has revealed and who pays attention. He, he promises to pay attention when we lay our request before him. And he answers and he doesn't answer, and, and you know, he moves forward. He continues to lead and guide us through this world. Oh, man, the grace he's given. It's best be given when we're you know, living in that, that attitude and, and, and 
uh, that, that characteristic of, of a loving, appreciating heart. Isn't that right? That's who we are. Let me remind you, here are just some things that, that we're not, we're being disrespectful of God. Or the possibility of disrespect is when we don't recognize him for who he is. He is God. Or, or when, we, when we commit our acts of worship, we think, boy, here it is. We're pouring it out. And we're not really giving him our best. Remember, uh, the fact is, under Jesus, now, uh, we're to offer ourselves, our lives, as living sacrifices before God. It is, it is also that idea of expecting all the answers, all our expectations fulfilled in God when really it needs to be His will that's done. And the attitude that approaches it and says, God, praise you, thank you for all you've given, you know, strength and bless. Here's the request we have around us. But no matter what happens, God, you are that great mighty God and we praise you. There, I, I, I said a prayer. Okay, thank you for the Amen. <laughs> Oh, man, I, I'm looking forward to this, this journey up until till, uh, um, Easter, you know, the celebration of Jesus' resurrection. We're having a look in those, those prophets of what they're saying, what they're dealing with, and maybe how we could be better prepared in serving a God who deserves your best. Let's pursue that. Let's pursue it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for, uh, Lord, we praise you specifically for your word. Lord, uh, uh, there are times when it, it is worth it to, to work through and to, to read, to grasp and understand. And then, Lord, uh, through your spirit to have, have it speak to our hearts, have it challenge us. Lord, we praise you for both your spirit, praise you for your word, guide us, direct us, Lord. We praise you, for, Father, for all the gracious uh, acts. Lord, we praise you for Jesus coming into this world the, the great revelation of your love uh, for us has been through Christ and his death. We thank you for him. We praise you, uh, Lord, for the grace and mercy we know and that we could be identified today as your children. Help us, Lord, in our walk. Help us to love you in every day and to serve you. And, and Lord, to, to, to give you our best, uh, Lord, through that living sacrifice that you've enabled us to give. God, you're good to us and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.